0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Colossians 2,
1: 16 through 23. Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on aestheticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental things of the world... Why, if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that, are all, that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This is the word of the Lord.
0: For the Lord, in prayer... Uh, Father God, uh, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you that it never returns void. I pray that you would speak to us through it, uh, that you would move me out of the way, Father God, that I wouldn't speak this morning, but you would speak. Father God, illuminate your text to us, make it real. Uh, Walk the aisles, Father God, and minister to your people. It's in your mighty sons, Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. On June 19th in 1865, Union troops, uh, uh, they had a message of hope for some people in Texas. Uh, They marched into Galveston, Texas with some very life-changing and history-altering news. And the news that these Union troops had for these Texans in 1865, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, the news uh, that these troops had was this that the slaves are free. Two years after the Emancipation Proclamation the slaves are free. The general for these troops, a man by the name of Major uh, Granger, uh, he had this to say, and this was the exact message uh, that he had for these Texans uh, some two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, it read in quote, the people of Texas are informed that In accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, who was Abraham Lincoln, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves, unquote. Two years after slavery had been abolished by the Emancipation Proclamation, these slaves in Texas are just now getting the news that they're free which means that they had been free all along. They just didn't know it. And because they yet didn't know that they were free, they lived in bondage. But once they did know that they were free, they started to live like free people. I said once they finally did know that they were free, they finally started to live like free people. They have been free all along. So are you living free this morning? Brothers and sisters in Christ who've been saved, who've been set free by the Lord. Are you living free on this morning? Are you experiencing freedom from sin? Or sin holding on to you in some ways that it no longer has a right to? Are you still... uh, Uh, entrapped by something enslaved by something and you feel like you just can't let it go that it just has such a grip on you are you living free from condemnation on this morning or is that voice in the back of your head constantly, constantly telling you that you're not good enough you're not a good enough parent you're not a good enough son or daughter you're not a good enough employee are you living free on this morning If you are, then praise God that you're living free. If you are, praise God for that. But if you're not, there's still hope for you. The Lord wants to set you free. So praise God for that as well. As we come to our text, uh, we're still in the book of Colossians like we were last week. And as we come to our text, we'll see that the Colossians are tempted to believe some things uh, that are going to hold them in bondage. They're going to be tempted to believe some lies about Jesus. Uh, they're hearing from these false teachers who are telling them uh, these lies. Uh, and these false teachers in this small town called Colossae uh, were teaching something called Gnosticism. They were teaching something called Gnosticism. It's not a very uh, modern word. We don't use that often. But this is what Gnosticism teaches. It primarily teaches uh, that you can only get close to God by understanding some secret knowledge. They taught that you could only get close to God by understanding some secret knowledge. So they would dangle this secret knowledge over the heads of the Colossians and basically say, you're not really close to God because you don't have this. And so they were teaching the Colossians that they also taught uh, that the body was evil. They thought they said the body was primary evil and anything that was physical uh, was evil. And so you couldn't do anything that the body could enjoy. So anything that was pleasurable to the body, they said was bad. So anything that tasted good, anything that felt good, anything that looked good, the gnostics said that that's bad. And if you enjoy stuff that God doesn't like you, that's that's the premise. Of their belief. So no barbecue for the Gnostics, no Gus's fried chicken for the Gnostics, no sweet potato pie for the Gnostics. I don't think I could be a Gnostic. But, that, but that's what they were teaching uh, the Colossians. So what the Colossians are tempted to believe is that in order to get close to God, in order uh, for God to love me, I have to do something uh, for God to love me. I have to deny myself good things so God can love me. I have to believe and worship these angels so they can protect me because they were teaching that Jesus wasn't mighty and strong enough to protect them. And so this is the lie that they were tempted to believe about Jesus and about life in general. And and this is one thing about thinking uh, a, a lie about Jesus. Wrong thinking about Jesus leads to bondage. Right thinking about Jesus leads to freedom. I'll say it one more time. Wrong thinking about Jesus leads to bondage, leads to slavery. but right thinking about Jesus leads to freedom. And so Paul heard about this, that what was going on in Colossae. And just like the Union troops who delivered a message of freedom, he also has a message of freedom uh, for these Colossians. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1, this is Paul writing. He says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea. And for all who have not seen me face to face, I want you to know how great a struggle. That word struggle means agon. It means to be in agony. It means to be in a fight. He said, I'm desperate for you to know the truth about Jesus. I'm in a fight for you to know the truth about Jesus. He's writing this letter from a prison cell. He knows that these false teachers are probably saying horrible things about him, but he's in a fight to know, he's in a fight for the Colossians to know the truth about Jesus, because he knows that the truth about Jesus will set them free. Wrong thinking about Jesus leads to bondage. Right thinking about Jesus leads to freedom. And as the letter uh, progresses, Paul begins to take the tone of a father or or mother who's about to send their son or daughter off uh, to college. And, And this is what he says. He says, see to it Colossians. I know you're hearing all these things. I know you're hearing these lies about Jesus. I know you're hearing these lies about me even. But see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty the seat. According to the human tradition. According to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. He says see to it. Be sure. Make sure you don't forget. Remember it like you remember to get your phone in the morning. See to it. That no one, I don't care who they are, how educated they are, what uh, degree they have, how many degrees they have, what church they they go to. See to it that no one takes you captive. That word captive means to be kidnapped. It means to be a prisoner of war. It means to be taken away. See that no one takes you away. Well, how can they take you away? He says, by philosophy and empty deceit. See, the thing about deceit is, it's not just a bold lie. Deceit is a lie that comes dressed up, looking like the truth. All right, it's tricky like that. It's not a straight-up lie. Deceit comes looking a little bit like the truth. It, a, it mixes a few truths and a few lies together, together, then it presents itself to you. It's a counterfeit, basically. And so uh, these false teachers weren't teaching a no-Jesus message, but instead they were teaching a different Jesus message, a counterfeit Jesus. Uh, Bank tellers have to handle a lot of money on a given day. And as a part of your training as a bank teller, you have to learn how to spot out a fake. You have to learn how uh, to spot out a, a counterfeit. But the interesting thing about banks is they don't train their employees how to study fakes. So they don't put them in a room and just uh, force them to study fakes all day long. No, but instead, they teach them to spot the real thing. They they teach them to know how the real thing smells, how the real thing tastes, how the real thing, what the real thing looks like. They they teach them to be able to spot the real thing. Because if you can spot the real thing, you always be able to spot a fake. If you know the real thing you'll always be able to spot a fake. Paul is saying, don't fall for this counterfeit Jesus that they're teaching you about. If they're teaching you about a Jesus that isn't supreme, who doesn't love you and who doesn't have enough power to save you, that's a counterfeit Jesus. That's not the real Jesus. In Colossians, wrong thinking about Jesus leads to bondage. But right thinking about Jesus, it'll lead to your freedom. Freedom. And so uh, for the rest of our time today, we're going to spend some time looking at the at the real Jesus. We're not going to uh, focus on uh, the counterfeits. There are many counterfeits, and we've been here for days talking about the counterfeits. But we're going to focus on the real thing, because if you know the real thing, you'll always be able to spot a fake. The real Jesus sets you free. Jesus frees us up from performing for others. Jesus sets us free from having to perform for others. Performing for others is a very tempting thing, but Jesus frees us up from that. Verse 16, Paul says, therefore let no one pass judgment on you. Verse 18, following says, let no one disqualify you, Colossians. Let no one, remember, I don't care who they are, let no one pass judgment on you. No one disqualify you. See, these false teachers were passing judgment on the Colossians, trying to disqualify them, saying that they didn't measure up because they're not keeping these special rituals, because they're not keeping these special uh, diets, uh, because they, uh, uh, they claim that they see all of these visions and they're worshiping angels and they have all these great religious experiences. And Colossians, you don't have that, so you need to perform for us in order, in order to get to where we are. In other words, uh, these false teachers are saying, we're the varsity Christians and you're JV. This is what, that's what they're saying. Even in American Christianity today though, uh, there are those who will attempt to disqualify you. Even today, we like to classify uh, the varsity in the JV Christians. We say, uh, oh, you hadn't been on a mission trip? You hadn't been overseas, you not know, with the nations bro? JV. You're JV. Oh, you're not in full-time ministry, you're just a volunteer? JV. You don't homeschool your kids? You don't private school your kids? What? JV Christian, right there. You don't vote Republican or you don't vote Democrat, JV. You hadn't spoken in tongues, poor poor guy, JV Christian. That that was probably a little sensitive. <laughs> uh, uh, you you didn't wear a suit to church, JV. Ugh, you did wear a suit to church, JV. You can't articulate the tulip? What? JV. You're not serious about urban ministry? You don't care about the hood? JV. You only come on Sunday. where we need you here Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, eight days a week. Oh, you can't do that? JV Christian. And Paul is saying, don't fall into that foolishness. Don't try to impress these people. Let no one disqualify you. Let no one pass judgment on you. And so, uh, are we Are we trying to go varsity? If so, Paul is telling us, stop trying to go varsity. You may, you may not be trying to go varsity uh, as a Christian. You may be trying to go varsity on your job, and you're trying to fit in there. Uh, maybe it's varsity in your friendships, and you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. Maybe it's varsity as a parent or a spouse. You're trying to fit into some social niche. And maybe you're a student uh, and you're trying to play the part to fit in. And what Paul is saying is that Jesus loves you. He loves you. There's nothing that anyone says about you or thinks about you that can change that. He is enough. He loves you. And if they all stopped loving you tomorrow, he would still be enough. Jesus sets us free from having to perform for others. That's the real Jesus. That's not the counterfeit. That's what the real Jesus does. Secondly, Jesus also frees us up from having to perform for God. He sets us free from having to perform for God. Verse 20, it says, If with Christ you died... If with Christ you died. That means past tense. That means if you died to uh, your old self, you're a new person, the old you is dead and gone, All right. So if with Christ you died, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, uh, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to the regulations? Do not handle. Do not taste. Do not touch. You're a new person. Why are you still playing by those rules? Why are you still trying to do things... To impress God so that he can love and accept you. See, these false teachers are teaching something called legalism. And legalism basically says this, that I have to keep the rules in order to keep God happy with me. That's what the legalist says. The legalist says that I have to keep the rules uh, in order to keep God happy with me. So, if I'm a Christian, if I keep the rules, God loves me. And if I don't keep the rules, uh, God doesn't love me anymore, anymore. If I volunteer and I, I love my, my spouse well, God loves me. But, uh, if I, if I do something sinful, if I, you know, whatever, uh, fill in the blank, uh, if, if I have a little, well, fill in the blank. You know what can happen. Alright. If I do something that, that, uh, displeases God, that he doesn't love me anymore. And that's what the legalists uh uh teaches and that's what the colossians were tempting uh to fall into and this is what most religions teach uh this is the premise of islam and most world religions uh they say do enough good stuff to keep god happy with you and he may just let you into heaven one day all right that, that's the premise of legalism in most world religions so all of the religions of the world, they kind of function as a ladder. That's, that's the way most of the world religions uh, function. They function as a ladder. And basically this, uh, you're at the bottom of the ladder, all right, and God's at the top of the ladder. And so what you have to do is you have to do a bunch of good things uh, to climb up that ladder. And most people spend their lives trying to climb up that ladder. And some of you may have tried to climb up that ladder and you got tired. And you're like, I don't have time for this uh, anymore. And some people may have just walked away from uh, the church altogether because they fell into this counterfeit Jesus that made them uh, climb a ladder to do enough good things in order to be accepted by him. Uh, The truth is this. This is what Jesus says. Jesus does it differently. Jesus doesn't, the real Jesus doesn't say climb a ladder to get to me. This is what Jesus does differently. He says, I know that you could never build a ladder tall enough to get to me. I know that you could never climb all the way up here. So I'm actually gonna send the ladder down from heaven. All right, I'm gonna send it down and I'm gonna climb down myself and I'm gonna live with you and then I'm gonna carry you back up myself because you could never do it on your own. That's the gospel, that's the real Jesus. See, Jesus sets us free from having to perform for God. Jesus sets us free from having to perform for others. He is enough. His finished work on the cross is enough. There's nothing else that you have to add to his finished work. He's not telling you uh, to to get your life together. That's that's not the real Jesus. Uh, So, so dear brother or sister in Christ, uh, when you wake up in the morning... Do you imagine that God is smiling over you and rejoicing over you and and that he has a smile over his face, on his face when he looks at you? Or do you imagine that he has a frown on his face? And so for the rest of the day, you have to do enough good things to turn that frown into a smile. That's, That's what legalism teaches and that's a lie. God has a smile on his face for you. Not because of anything that you do, but because of what Jesus did. And nothing can change that smile. Nothing can stop him from rejoicing over you and loving you and being pleased with you. Maybe you're not a Christian today and you're saying, Well, I think that I need to get my life together first. uh, Then I'll come to God. Uh, So maybe if I, I need to stop drinking, I need to stop smoking, I need to stop filling the blank. And then I'll come to God because that's the only way. Uh, that, that God will accept me. And to you as well, I'll say that that's not what God is waiting on. He'll, he, he wants to accept you just as you are. Now, he's far too powerful to keep you just like you are because once you encounter him, he's going to change your whole world. But he'll accept you just as you are. That's one of the biggest lies, especially in the Bible Belt, that you have to get your life together. Nobody can get their life together. It's, it's Jesus himself who cleans us up. So Jesus sets me free from having to perform for others. Uh, Jesus sets me free from having to perform for God. And and finally, Jesus sets me free from me. He sets me free from me. See, these false teachers taught that they could uh, get their lives together. Uh, They thought that they could fix themselves with their rules and all their religion and all their rituals. This is what Paul says in, in verse 23. He said, Uh, These have indeed appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion. Like, it looks smart. It looks wise. Just fix yourself, right? He says, so these indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism. Asceticism asceticism was intense self-denial. That's what we were talking about. Meaning, I I will deny myself anything good. Because if I deny myself enough good uh, stuff and I punish myself enough, maybe God may like me. And that's what they primarily uh, were teaching. And so he said, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom and promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But let's zoom in on this last part. He says, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. All of those rules aren't going to change you. Rules don't change people. But what they did know is this. They did know that something was wrong with us. That's what they realized. And if we have been honest, we all know that something is wrong with us. If you've been around people long enough, you know that something is wrong with us. <laughs> all right? And, and, and so that's the conclusion that they came to, but they were trying to fix themselves. They thought that punishing themselves and doing harm uh, to their bodies uh, would be enough to fix them. Uh, they thought that all these rules and religion uh, would be enough to change them. But how many people know that rules don't change the heart? How many parents know that rules don't change the heart? Only Jesus can change the heart. So I'm sure there's somebody somewhere saying, but Terrence, you don't know how messed up I am. Like, I'm, I'm pretty bad. Uh, you don't know how bad my addiction is. You don't know how bad my anger problem is. You don't know how bad my mouth is. I'm a bad person. I'm not a varsity Christian. I could never change i 'm just like my mom, just like my dad. I could never change, and you right, you could never change you, but Jesus can change you. He is enough. I spent some time uh, working for a secular uh, nonprofit, and at this secular nonprofit we couldn 't teach the Bible, we couldn 't openly teach the gospel, but instead we taught uh, a lot of behavior modification and rules. And so uh, we would kids would come in off of the streets uh, addicted to drugs and affiliated with gangs. And what we would do is we'd give them uh, a rule book and we would give them something uh, to do. And we'd uh, we'd we'd pump them up with these motivational uh, speeches. uh, But I knew deep in my heart that these rules and these programs wouldn't change these kids hearts. I knew deep in my heart uh, that nothing uh, practical or technical that I could do uh, could get to the uh, center of their hearts and answer the deep questions and the deep longings of of their heart. They needed something else. See, the rules only clean the outside of the cup, but Jesus changes the heart. And this is how Jesus changes us. We're going to look at Ezekiel uh, chapter 36 verses uh, 26 through 27. This is how he does it. This is how Jesus performs the open heart surgery on a person. And this is, this is the word of the Lord. He says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone uh, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I want to read that one more time. It's something that stands out from this. He says, and I will give you a new heart. It's God. And I will put my spirit within you. I, I will remove the heart of stone. Not you. You don't have to move your own heart of stone. See, that heart of stone is hard and it's unresponsive to God. It's insensitive to his voice and to his word. But he says, I will remove that heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That heart of flesh is sensitive to God. It's sensitive to sin. It's sensitive to the word of the Lord and, and, it's easy, it's, and it can be reached now. He says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules this is the real Jesus speaking he changes us it's Jesus who saves us and it's Jesus who keeps us saved he is enough and because he is enough we don't have to perform for others and because he is enough we don't have to uh, perform for God and because he is enough we don't have to fix ourselves Uh, just like those troops uh, from the union We can say that we are free. We are free. If I I can be honest, I struggle with living like the free man that I really am. Uh, When I'm not being the husband that I'm called to be, uh, the man that I'm called to be, I, I hear a whisper in the back of my head say, do more. Be more. Work harder. Keep the rules. God won't be happy with you. Look, you did that. God ain't happy with you. you Got to do something to cover it up. Got to do some good works to fix yourself. God won't be happy with you. I am a recovering, not a recovered. I am a recovering people pleaser. I like to say yes. I like to keep people happy with me. I like to give people my, my best in order to keep people happy with me. I like to give you, I like to give the church my best in order to keep you happy with me. But what has given me hope and freedom, even in this moment, is that he smiles on me and calls me a son. And even if I completely fail at everything, his finished work on the cross is enough. That's what I have to cling on to when I hear those lies. That even if I don't feel free, that I am free. See, I'm just a kid from Whitehaven who God has shown a lot of grace and mercy to. I didn't save myself. (laughs) I don't have to perform to keep myself saved. His blood covers all my sins, all my failures, all my weaknesses. He is enough for me. And that's the truth that I have to cling to daily. As we close... Do you believe that Jesus is enough? Uh, because Jesus is enough, you are free. So I want you to fill in this blank. That's going to be a blank that comes up. And this is for you, for your own reflection. Because Jesus is enough, I can. And I want you to fill in the blank. Maybe it's because Jesus is enough, I can stop trying to get my life together before I come to him. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's because Jesus is enough, I can stop living for the approval of others. Uh, maybe it's uh, because Jesus is enough, I can let go of my addiction. Because Jesus is enough, I can stop living in fear. Uh, because Jesus is enough, I can be sure of my salvation. There's free- freedom. There's freedom in knowing that Jesus is enough. Wrong thinking about Jesus leads to bondage, but right thinking about Jesus leads to freedom. He is enough for each and every one of us. If it all went away tomorrow, if everybody stopped liking you and loving you tomorrow, if the job called with the pink slip tomorrow, if if it all fell down tomorrow, he is enough. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for sending your son. God, we thank you for his sufficiency. What he did on the cross is enough. God, we thank you that we can rest in that on this morning. That you're not asking us to perform for you. You're not asking us to get our lives together. You're just asking us to follow you and trust you, Father God. And when we become your children... We stay your children. And when Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished, it truly is finished. And we thank you, Lord, for him. It's in your mighty sons, Jesus' name, that we pray. Amen.